Welcome to Coffee and Conversations with Chris. We're glad you're here. Here's your host, Pastor Chris Atkinson. Good morning. Welcome to Pinewoods Chapel. You have landed on Coffee with Chris, where we talk about theological things. Today it is uh, Tuesday, February the 16th, and it is snowing like crazy outside today. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying uh, the warmth of a warm house or something so that you can uh, get out of the snow. But it's a great time for you to gather around uh, the screen and and hear some theological discussions about the Bible and uh, what's happening in our world. So over the last uh, number of weeks, we've been talking about the Antichrist and the signs of Christ's coming and the rise of the Antichrist and how do we know about the Antichrist and all these different things. And today we're going to wrap everything up and there's been some questions over over our time together when there's been the sequence of events and how is this all going to play out uh, with the Antichrist and... Uh, the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, and all of this stuff, um, and where does all of this fit in? So today I'm going to take some time and just unpack what the scriptures say about all of that, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the signs of Christ's return, and uh, there's a number of signs that we see in scripture that must be fulfilled before Christ actually comes and the day of the Lord does come. So it's good to know those things, but also there's a little bit of preamble uh, in the scriptures about the coming of the Lord. And I'm going to start there and just sort of set the stage of the teachings of Christ and what Christ actually said about his own return and when he was coming back. So let's uh, just take a few minutes and, and do that first. And then we're going to get into uh, these signs and... Uh, just so that you know, I have seven signs, seven signs that need to happen uh, before Christ's return. But just before we get to that, just want to take a minute and, and talk about how that Jesus has promised he will return. And there's a number of places we can go to Matthew 24, verse 44. And uh, again, the angels on the day that Christ ascended into heaven in Acts 1, 11, they tell us that Christ is going to return in the same way that they saw him ascend, uh, the disciples. Um, again, uh, some of the other gospel recorders of Jesus speaking over in Matthew uh, 24. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, Paul teaches this uh, in 1 Thessalonians uh, 4.16, that Christ is going to return. And 2 Peter 3.10. So we have the apostles, we have Jesus we have even angels testifying that Jesus is going to return. So that's a little bit of a preamble that Christ is going to return. And that's sort of a given. We kind of know that as believers. But as believers, we should actually long for Christ's return. And uh, Paul uh, writes to Titus and he says this over in uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And he's just like, hey, Titus, we're waiting for Christ's return. Okay, so... Just wait for Christ's return. He's coming back. Jesus himself promised. The angels have told us. The apostles taught this. Jesus is going to return. And in, in the book of Revelation, we see in Revelation 22, verse 20, where it's like the spirit and the bride 
and the church and everybody is saying, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. So, so this, this eagerly longing for the return of Christ is something that actually distinguishes the believer uh, throughout the believer's life. And so we've seen this promise of Christ's return. We are eagerly longing for this. At the same time, we don't actually know the time, the, the day or the hour. And Jesus himself says this, all the, the gospel writers speak to this, where Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verse 44, that we don't know the day or the hour. And again, Mark tells us the same thing in Mark 13. And again, Luke tells us the same thing in Luke 12, verse 40. So all of this is just preamble that Christ is returning. We're told that in scripture. We're told that, that Christians are to long for that return and be awaiting that return, uh, but also that we don't know the day or the hour. But having said all of that, Jesus and the apostles give us a number of signs or uh, events that must take place before the day of the Lord, before the return of Christ. And we've been talking about all of these things over the last number of weeks and just sort of itemizing different aspects of it. But today, uh, it's going to be our last day talking about all of this stuff. And uh, next week, we're going to take a break and then jump into a whole other subject. But uh, today, I'm going to try and pull all of this together for all of you and, and put it into a sequence of events. And so today, if you want to know a title, it's like the seven signs of Christ's return, seven signs that must take place before Christ's return. And uh, we're going to walk through uh, scripture verses and, and just to see how these all fit together. And, and again, uh, this is what Jesus taught his disciples. And, and, and in some of these places, there's a lot of overlap um, where things are happening simultaneously to other things. And so we can expect to see some of these things happening in our world. So let's, uh, if you got a Bible, that's great. Hopefully uh, the scripture verses will get popped up in there as we go through these uh, seven signs or events that uh, must take place before Christ's return. So here's the first one, and it is preaching the gospel to all nations. And in Mark chapter 13, so we're going to spend a lot of time in Mark 13 today because uh, Mark 13 is another one, uh, another passage that follows very closely to Matthew, but it really just outlines uh, the Lord's teaching on this and, and how all things come to pass. So the preaching of the gospel to all nations, we see this is found in, in a couple of different gospel sections. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew uh, 24, 14, but also Mark 13, 10. We're going to stay in Mark 13 uh, most of today. So Mark 13, 10, take your Bibles, turn there if you've got a Bible. If not, you could Google search it too. Um, so Mark 13, like, I should have turned here already because I knew where I was going before I started. <laughs> anyway, Mark 13, 10, Mark 13, 10. Okay, so Mark 13 is the parallel passage to Matthew 24 and both uh, Matthew and Mark uh, were there listening to the teaching of Jesus that he gave uh, on that day when the disciples are asking Jesus, when will the signs of your return uh, or the coming of the end of the days, when will these things be? And they actually specifically, and this is important for us as we look through this. So right in, in verse um, 
verse 4. So they're on the Mount of Olives, and Peter, James, and John, and Andrew ask Jesus privately, tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished. So they specifically ask him to tell them about the signs, okay? And so Jesus begins unpacking this and to, and to tell them the signs of his coming. Now, I want to draw your attention down to verse 10. And I know this isn't a sequential order as we start at the verse 1 and work down through. But I want to draw your attention to verse 10 because Jesus actually says this is the first thing that's going to happen, okay? So in verse 10, it says, And the gospel must first, use that word first, be proclaimed to all nations. So this, this is the very first sign of Christ's coming, that the gospel is preached to all nations. And again, uh, over in Matthew 24, it's the exact same passage, just a parallel, different writer. And it must first be proclaimed. That means it must be preached. Now, of course, in Jesus's day, the world was radically different than in our day. And there were uh, unknown people, tribes and different things to the Romans, to the Jews at that point in time. Um, but the world has vastly changed since the time of Christ. Today, we are very aware of our world and the different nations of our world. And if you were to ask the question, has this sign been fulfilled? I would personally say, yes, it has. Yes, this gospel has been preached to all nations in the world. Now, you might say, really? Like even some hidden tribes? Well, and, and see, this is the point of this passage. It talks about the nations. So one of the things we know today, and especially because of internet, because of TV and all of the things, that the gospel is from everywhere to everywhere. And there's not a nation on this planet that does not know or has not been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, now there may be some locations in some nations like slums or mountainous regions of certain places or deep in the Amazon, so to speak, uh, that the gospel hasn't been to those specific places. But as in terms of all nations, it's it has happened. There's no question in my mind anyway, and in a number of other scholars' minds, that this has happened, this sign has happened. Uh, that the gospel has been preached to all nations. And uh, just recently with the pandemic and pretty much every church around the world, it doesn't matter whether you are in a, in a, uh, a first world country or a third world country, uh, you had access to the internet and churches the, in even very poor countries uh, of, of Africa and Latin America, they were able to broadcast services. And so... The gospel is is out there. It's out there on the airwaves. It's out there in the internet space, and it's could be easily accessed by many many people throughout the world. Um, those that maybe are a little bit living in poverty would have a little bit more difficulty accessing uh, possibly the internet. But there are people that are in those nations that are proclaiming the name of Christ and the gospel, the good news of Jesus, which is that Jesus Christ died 
to save the world and those who believe and put their trust in him will be saved for eternal life to be with God forever. So that's that's the very first sign. And Jesus says that this is the first thing that's got to happen. The first thing in uh, in Mark chapter 13, verse 10. That's what he says. Now, here's, here's the second sign that we see in Scripture is that false prophets are working signs and wonders. So let's just uh, go up a little bit in uh, Mark 13. Uh, and we see, so Jesus in, in Mark 13, verse 5, he says to his disciples, he says, uh, Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying, I am he and will lead many astray. So there's this whole posture throughout the scriptures and we can look at other places. Uh, if you just turn over again to uh, verse 21. So this and this is it's important for us to see that this is one of these signs that is sort of happening in and among all the other signs. And so uh, in verse 21 of Mark 13, it says, And if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, here he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray. If possible, the elect be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. So this sign of false prophets working signs and wonders it happens in and among all the other signs. And this is important for us to realize that this is continually happening. So has this been fulfilled? I would say, yeah, this has been fulfilled. When we look back in scripture, when we look back in history, we see a number of places where there has been false prophets per performing many signs. And I think today, one of the greatest deceptions that's in the church is even the preaching of the false gospel, uh, preaching of false signs that actually happen. And uh, where we see that people have gone out and proclaim a different gospel. People go out and show signs and wonders that are not attributed to Christ because there's not the connection to the true gospel there. And so has this happened? Yes. Are there people that are being deceived? Yes, there are globally. And until you've act, and you might think, well, I don't know, Pastor Chris, that this is really happening. Well, I'll just say this. I've done an extensive amount of traveling outside of Canada, and I do all kinds of research on the internet all the time. And there's a ton of material out there. There's a ton of people out there that are proclaiming a false gospel. They're proclaiming that there's signs and wonders accompanying this false gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is possible to be deceived by this. And that's why Jesus actually says that uh, there, there's going to be these people out there, false prophets, and uh, that are arising and performing signs and wonders, and they want to lead people astray. And this has been happening, like we can go all the way back to Egypt, the children of Israel were in Egypt and the magicians of the Egyptian Pharaoh, they were able to perform false signs and wonders. We can fast forward into the New Testament. We can look at the book of Acts. We can see Simon the sorcerer and the things that were happening around them and all of that. We can move forward to the different movements that have happened since, since Christ has been here with uh, different religions and different people claiming to be Messiah, the Messiah and, and all of this stuff. And as you do the research, you see that this is 
It's been happening and it's just happening more and more as time goes on. And so we can definitely say that this, this sign of false prophets working signs and wonders has been fulfilled and it's continuing to happen. It's not like, okay, it's, it's happened and now it's over. No, this, because it's a continual thing, it's going to continue to happen. Here's the third sign that we see in scripture. The spirit of the Antichrist at work in the world. And so again, Paul is uh, teaching this throughout the New Testament, but we want to go and look specifically at uh, John, uh, so the first letter of John in John chapter 2, and then I'm going to tie it into um, Mark uh, 13 as we, as we go along here. So over in the first letter that John writes in chapter 2, and in verses 18 to 22, he says this, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it's the last hour. So he's saying, look, we've already seen these people rise up, trying to deceive, trying to go against Christ. They went out from us, but they were not of us. So they started in the context of the church. They were trying to lead many astray. These are these false prophets, these false people. They went out from us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might complain that they were not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. And then it asks this question, verse 22, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. So this is important because there has been the working of the spirit of Antichrist throughout the world with people who are denying that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ. So this spirit of the Antichrist has been working. It's been working since the day of, uh, of John, and it has been continuing to work through our time up until the present, where, again, we see this these false prophets working signs and wonders, part of the spirit of the Antichrist at work that's empowering those things. And as we look in back in Mark 13, we see all of these things starting to play out in the world. So let's just keep reading. So I'm in Mark 13. I'm, I started in verse 5 and 6. We're going to keep going through 7 and work our way through here. So it says, And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. They must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. There will be... But these, and this is, these aren't even the signs, okay? And this is what he says. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. So have these things happened? Has there been wars? Yes. Nations rising against nations? Yes. That has already happened. Earthquakes in various places? Yes. Way more now. There's way more earthquakes now than there ever has been. And maybe that's because we have better technology to record them, but the point is they are happening. And so 
these are not necessarily signs. It's just like, this is what's going to happen in the world. And Jesus says that these are the beginnings of this. And then he says, verse 9, he says, But be on guard, for they will deliver you up to councils, and, and you will be put beaten in synagogues. So this is where the spirit of the Antichrist ties in to Mark 13, because it says, for they. So it's like, who's the they? Well, those that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And when we see in verse 9 here, it says, for they will deliver you over to councils, and they will you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake to be a witness before them. So this is where the, the context of the spirit of the Antichrist sort of intertwines in with this passage because the spirit of the Antichrist is coming against everything that Jesus is and the people of God. And so as time progresses, there will be more and more of these things happen. Now, the fourth sign, and this sort of just leads us into this, this next section of passage, is that there will be the rise of the Antichrist. And as we read on through here, so we see that there's this, um, the, the preaching of all nations, it's first, and then there's false prophets that are working signs and wonders. Uh, there's the spirit of the Antichrist at work throughout the world. And then there is this rise into power of the Antichrist. So verse 11, it says, And when they bring you to trial, so it's talking about those that are of the spirit of the Antichrist, bring you to trial, and they will deliver you over. Do not be anxious beforehand what you will say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. That's, wow. Families will be split apart because of the spirit of the Antichrist working in the world and the rise of the Antichrist. In verse 13, it says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. See, this is an important aspect of, of setting the stage of what's even beginning to happen now. So as we see this sign of the rise of the Antichrist, and I've explained this in so many other passages, where we see this rise of the spirit of the Antichrist where we have this one ruler who rules over all of the world and that is the Antichrist. He's anti-Jesus. He's anti-God. He's totally against that. And with that comes the mark of the beast. With that comes the worship of the Antichrist and all of that. And this is the setting that we see And Jesus in verse 14 says these words, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be, let the reader understand. So we've talked about that through our classes. We've talked about how this is Jesus referring back to the prophecy in Daniel. It's uh, this time of the Antichrist, this man of lawlessness, this man of sin that's rising up that Paul talks about. This is the time where the Antichrist is totally exposed, totally revealed, and people know that this is happening. And so that sign 
must take place. The rise of the Antichrist must take place. And uh, again, that's not been fulfilled yet. Now, the spirit of the Antichrist, is it at work? Yes, it is very obvious that the spirit of the Antichrist is at work. But we don't see one ruler, one king, the beast, in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, ruling over the whole world as of yet. So is that sign fulfilled? We can say no, but it's really close. There's a ton of things that are happening in our world right now that are incredibly close to this being fulfilled. And we can talk about things like the United Nations. We could talk about we could talk about the International Monetary Fund. We could talk about this this latest thing that's politically charged all across our world, which is the Great Reset. You know, all of those things are precursory events to the world coming into this place of the Antichrist being there. And we talk about a global economy today. We have the internet to do economic, anybody, anybody that's got a bank account today can send money across to the other side of the world. We can do instant videos across the world. Like this is a global economy. This is a world economy. This is a world place where it is looking more and more uh, reasonable in the minds of people that live in this world that it would be beneficial to have one currency. It would be beneficial to have one government and with all of these sub-provinces kind of like our own nations and, and have them all work together with each other. Stop being at war with each other because when you think about this, when you look at the country of Canada, you know, you've got the Canadian government over the nation of Canada and then you've got provincial territories. And basically, uh, the Antichrist is it's just the same thing. It's like one big thing with all of these different provinces, which would end up being our current nations. And so the stage is so set for the rise of the Antichrist over the whole world, more so now than at any time in history. And uh, this is this is the stage that we are at. And I think, I believe that we're starting to see these things play out in our world. And there's nothing that as Christians we can do to stop this because God's told us beforehand that this is how it's going to be. This is what's going to do this. Now, we just have to be wise and be ready because we're seeing the signs of Christ's coming being fulfilled before us. So the next sign is the great tribulation. So as we as we start reading here, so here we see that we've been talking about uh, uh, we've been talking about the preaching to all nations. We've been talking about the false prophets coming up, uh, the spirit of the Antichrist working and and moving against those. And now we see the the rise of the Antichrist to this power. And Jesus says in verse fourteen, "But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be," and this is speaking specifically of the Antichrist, the beast. And it says, verse 15, let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out and let the one that is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days, there will be such tribulation 
as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God has created until now and never will be. So this is the next sign. So after the rise of the Antichrist, the, uh, da, 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 seven, the fifth, fifth sign is the Great Tribulation. And we see this right here in Mark 13, verse 19. And it just says, for in those days. So when this is happening, there's going to be a tribulation that comes upon the earth that has never been experienced in the whole world from the beginning of creation until this point and never again will be. Now, there has been times uh, throughout history that it has been very difficult for believers in different parts of the world. There has been trouble on many different fronts. You can talk about world wars. You could talk about persecutions that have happened in different places like Nigeria or uh, Rwanda or uh, China or these different countries that even today that uh, are happening and it's real. This is even greater. And this great tribulation, I don't think, has actually taken place yet. I think that this is still a, a time that has, that is coming. And uh, we need to be prepared uh, for this kind of great tribulation. Not so much to be uh, worried, but to know what God will do through this as he protects his saints. Now, verse 20 says, And if the Lord had not cut short these days, these days of the great tribulation, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom he chose, he shortened the days. So this is very encouraging to us. We, we see that this, that this great tribulation is coming, but he's actually shortened it for those that are his own children. And that's actually good news for us um, because uh, that gives us hope in the midst of the situation. But I want you to notice that in verse 21, he comes back to the very beginning because there's some things that are going to be happening through the Great Tribulation uh, and through the rise of the Antichrist and the Antichrist that are being in power that's going to cause great deception among God's people and all of the earth for that matter. Because false prophets are still going to be doing their signs and wonders through this rise of the Antichrist. Um, there is still going to be the spirit of the Antichrist at work even though there is the the massive, uh, the Antichrist in place and governing over the whole world. And so these things are all going to take place because there's a simultaneousness to all of these things happening. Now, verse 24 tells us the next sign. So this is the sixth sign. And I've uh, entitled the sixth sign as signs in the heavens and in verse 24 it says but in those days after that tribulation the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken okay so there's this massive change in the heavens with regards to the sun the moon and the stars. So has that happened yet? No, not in this context as we read. 
And, and, it, and it's very clear here, too, because Jesus actually says, he, he works through and he says, so in verse 19, he says, for in those days there will be such tribulation. So he's like, he's saying, this is what's going on in those days. And then he says in verse 24, but in, these, in those days, after that tribulation, this is going to happen. Okay, so we see this chronologicaling of events through this whole passage here. And, and then he says in verse 26, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And so he, he's separating this out by saying these, and then, and then, okay, so you see this chronological movement through these signs. Now, we've got this signs in the heavens. Have they taken place? No. Everybody in the whole world would know if the sun was dark. Everybody in the whole world would know that the moon had not given its light and the stars falling from heaven and the powers of the heavens being shaken. Now, the timing of this whole uh, sign and the sixth sign, the seventh sign, and, the, and then the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, that could all happen almost right on top of each other. And what we need to realize is that just because some of these signs have maybe taken quite a bit of time to, to transpire, some of these other signs, like the sun being darkened, that could happen in the morning. And then the seventh sign, which I'll just give you that, which is the sound of the trumpet, could happen, let's say, so the sun could be dark all around the world. There could be utter chaos. The moon could not be giving its light. The stars of heaven could be falling at 9 a.m. our time. And then at 10 o'clock our time, the trumpet could sound and the Lord will descend. So, you know, like we don't know how quickly these last few signs will come together because there's a lot of passages of scripture that actually kind of squish them right together. And that, I think, is important for us to realize that when the time has come, it's going to wrap up quickly. <laughs> it's not going to be, uh, well, this is happening and it's going to be allowed the, right, the Antichrist to be in power and he's allowed to be in power for centuries. No, um, that is not the case. So... Let's look at some passages of Scripture, okay? So we've seen this one in, in Mark 13, verse 24, where we see the signs of the coming of all these disturbances in the heavens. Um, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to show you some things about the sign, sound of the trumpet because it, that's important for us to see that there is this trumpet that is going to sound. And uh, I believe that it's a literal trumpet. I believe that it's going to be a blast that's going to be heard around the world uh, at the exact same moment and as Christ uh, announces his return because that's actually what the scriptures tell us. And it's also consistent uh, in the Old Testament when God was doing things, uh, when God revealed himself, the people that were there heard these kinds of things. So... Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's 
Let's pick it up in verse 50. It says, I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. You see, there's a trumpet sound that happens. Again, we see this over in 1 Thessalonians and this one is quite clear, uh, just tying it in with the chronological events that we see in, uh, in Mark 13, but also in Matthew 24. Uh, so I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So let's start reading in verse 13 here, because it sort of sets the stages and helps sort of flow into the things that we've been talking about. It says in verse 13, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And again, this is speaking of those that have died already in Christ. Verse 15 says, For we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, and this is where it's talking about uh, how this is going to take place. For the Lord himself will descend, descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. You see, we need to be encouraging each other that this is going to happen. And as these times come upon us, and as we start to see things like the rise of the Antichrist, this great tribulation, and these signs in the heavens, that Christ is coming back. He's coming back, and there will be this sound of the trumpet that is blasting out as Christ is returning. Now, this great tribulation and the tie-in, too, to the return of Christ, just one to draw your attention to this again. So uh, this is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him. So Paul is saying, hey, we've been talking about this. Wrote you this first letter. Here's the second letter. I'm going to expand a little bit more on this. And he says, We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Basically, there was already the spirit of the Antichrist at work saying that this stuff is not right. And, and Paul's addressing this as he writes 2 Thessalonians. Verse 3 says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So here we see in the chronological of events, he's following the same outline that we saw in Matthew 24 and Matthew 13. And it says, uh, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness, which is the Antichrist, which is the beast, is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, 
so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Again, that's in Daniel. That's also in uh, passages in the Gospels of Matthew and, and uh, Mark. Then he says, verse 5, do not... Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Basically, exactly the same thing as what I said, that the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. And it has been. That's a sign that's already been fulfilled. And, and it says here, And only he who restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, the rise of the Antichrist. We haven't seen that yet. That the Antichrist has not, the beast has not been revealed. So that's the sign that's, that's sort of the change where they have been fulfilled and now they haven't been fulfilled. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So the Antichrist will be in power through the Great Tribulation, through the signs in heaven, and still be there at the sound of the trumpet when Christ comes. And it will, as it says here, bring to nothing the appearance of the Antichrist with Christ's coming. And we need to be encouraged by this because we have already read that Christ is actually going to shorten these days. And so the preaching to the all nations has happened. False prophets are continuing to be out there. The spirit of the Antichrist is at work. But as the rise of the Antichrist takes power, that is going to be, that timeline is just like, whoop, it's going to happen quickly. Uh, and we're, I believe, about to see some of these things start to happen where we see an antichrist, where we see great tribulation, where we see signs in the heavens and the coming of the Lord. And just so that you understand too, that this sign in the heavens, the sound of the trumpet, Christ coming, could all happen in the very same day. And in fact, when you look at scripture, and it uses hour and it uses day to describe these events, more than likely that's how it will take place. There will, there will be this day that the sun will go dark, the moon will not give its light, there'll be darkness everywhere, the stars won't be around, and there'll be a trumpet sound, and Christ will return, and everything will light up, and with the brightness of his coming, he will destroy the Antichrist. And one of the things that is tremendously hopeful uh, through all of this is that God, Jesus, wins. It may be difficult, it may be hard to go through these things, but Jesus Christ is the King. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will rule and reign. And all of the nations of this world will bow the knee to Jesus. This is the promise that we have in Scripture. This is who God is. This is defines the great God, the Almighty God, who rules the heavens and the earth. And so all of these things we've been talking about today, these seven signs must take place before Christ returns. And 
as we can look at these events, we see that some of these things have happened. But we can also see that some of them haven't. We don't know the day or the hour, but we will be eagerly, and hopefully as we've been talking about these things, we're eagerly uh, pursuing these things more, wanting Christ to return today, soon. Because Jesus has promised that he will return. Now, I've sort of come to the end of what I sort of planned to say during our time this morning. Maybe you've got some questions, even some of the stuff that we've talked about before, and trying to pull all of these things together into a sort of a sequence of events as we see in Scripture. And, uh, yeah, thanks. For, thank you, Linda. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's, that's great. Thanks for the hearts, because this is... It, it really is good for us to know these things and hopefully it encourages us as we, as we go through this. So if there isn't any questions, I'm going to pray. But if you've got questions, just reach out to me privately or type them into the, the video chat line and we'll, we'll answer them as best as possible. So uh, let, me, let me pray for you and uh, just know God loves you. He has a plan for your life. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to have eternal life. You're not going to perish with the Antichrist. You're going to live eternally with Jesus. That's the hope of God. God created this world with a plan. Man has messed it up so bad. But God has a plan to redeem man, to set us free into the joyous eternity of living with Christ and that is the hope of the world and we as believers as Christians need to proclaim this hope and tell people that this is what is about to play out in our world so let's pray dear God I thank you so much for all the good news that you have done for us Lord I pray that you would keep us from not being deceived but to be but to know your word and to Hang on to your word and trust your word. Trust that you've told us these things before that they happen so that we're not surprised when they happen, but that our hope is in you. So Lord, today I pray that anyone that is listening to this would embrace Jesus, would believe in Jesus, would trust in Jesus, and follow him with their whole heart. And Lord, for those of us that see the signs of your coming, Lord, that we would be more proclaiming the message of salvation to those in our generation. And Lord, I pray that you would come, that you would come quickly, and Lord, that your church would earnestly and eagerly desiring deeply for your return. And Lord, that we would see that the days are even shorter now than what we maybe think. So, Lord, I pray that uh, your will would be done and that uh, you would save all those that you've called by your name. And we pray all of this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Great to be together. Good to see you online. Hope you've enjoyed our discussions on the Antichrist over the last number of weeks. This Today sort of wraps up our, our time talking about the Antichrist. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing a, a whole other topic 
on uh, on something else. So God bless, and uh, we'll talk again. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed Coffee and Conversations with Chris. If you'd like to support this program, please visit pinewoodschapel.com give. See you next time.